Welcome to twoquestions.tv. With me today is Zach Mercurio, and we're talking about authentic purpose. Twoquestions.tv. Brief questions, deep knowledge for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business owners. Welcome to twoquestions.tv. I'm Susan Barancini Mo. Joining me today is Zach Mercurio, a purpose and meaningful work consultant, speaker, and a lecturer and researcher at Colorado State University. He's also the author of this book, The Invisible Leader Transform Your Life, Work, and Organization with the Power of Authentic Purpose. Hi, Zach. Welcome to the show. Hey, Susan. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I am excited too. I liked your book very much. Good. Well, thank you. I kept. Um, as I went through it, I kept dog-earing pages and marking things and taking notes in places. So very interesting work. And in the book, you talk about how the research indicates that most people across ages, across industries, across socioeconomic status, say purpose and meaning are more important than pay or security. Okay. Mm. And, and there's this yeah. Gallup poll you talk about that shows 13% of the global workforce and 32% of the American workforce, mass disengagement, and a simultaneous rise of books and research on the subject of purpose. Mm. Now, on the one hand, I see the research. And as a social scientist myself, I know the evidence is there. I get it. But as a human being, I also think all right, now I can't pay the mortgage or the electric bill with meaning. You can't buy groceries with purpose. So That's funny. Yeah, you can't you pay know, the bills with meaning. Yeah. I mean, is the way that I'm thinking the same way other executives are thinking? And is this the reason why organizations struggle and, and people struggle to get it, to understand the importance of meaning and purpose? Definitely. That, that, that's one barrier. I mean, one of the barriers to working with purpose and living with purpose is this idea that we've formed that we are motivated by acquiring and achieving things, that we're motivated by results. Uh, the, the problem comes with results like, you know, making money, putting food on the table, is that yeah. you can achieve them. And so then you get that, and then what? You know, you have to or, do it again. Right. The mortgage or, comes due next month exactly. too. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, I work with a lot of like sales teams and sales managers, and some of the most empty times in their lives are when they achieve a quarterly goal and when they don't achieve a quarterly goal. Yeah. Why? You know, because those results sort of push us, right? And then we have to create another one, and then create another one, and create another one. It's it's very expensive for organizations. Very expensive yeah. pushing for us too. Uh, the way that that purpose and meaning work is that that it pulls us and the way it works from like a primitive sense as human beings, we are wired primitively to be altruistic. It's actually one of the mm -hmm. most primitive parts of our brain is to contribute and to help one another. And as people and as organizations, that contribution is ultimately our usefulness, that usefulness is our purpose that purpose is our legacy, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is that I don't think we should forget about the, the results. You know, for example, organizations, company leaders talk to me all the time and they say, Zach, well, we have to make money. <laughs> yes. But I like to say this, it's, it's profit and results because of purpose. Right. And when we put that usefulness and that contribution and that legacy and, and why we do what we do out in front, the re results and the things, putting food on our table, the paycheck, 
research finds is actually enhanced because we're led by that purpose and not by the result itself. So I think it's a great question and it makes a lot of, a lot of sense. And that is one of the biggest barriers, but it's not an either or thing. You can have yeah. purpose or results. It's that when we pursue purpose, the results actually tend to be better for ourselves and we're happier and more fulfilled because of it. And the mortgage gets paid and food's on the table. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, actually I, I, so I do some work with people who are lower wage um, janitors, actually, I'm doing a research study with janitors right now who don't have, you know, the life outside of work to traditionally right. in the traditional sense, we might think, Oh, it's hard for them to think about purpose and meaning. And I was going in to do this interview with this janitor who had served as a janitor for 30 years at a university, came out of retirement to do the job again. Yes, uh, yes. You and, talked you about know, that in the book. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I just asked her, I said, why? And she said, I couldn't stand the thought of those students in the dormitory not having a parent figure away from home. Yeah. She, it was such a powerful psychological force that it pulled a janitor who cleans toilets out of retirement to do the job again because she believed in it so strongly. And that's just what we see time and time again about how a sense of purpose, a reason for being can, can lead our lives and our work and the results follow. We do better work because of it. Well, and I thought it was so interesting. You talked in the book about how we do just what this woman did. We, we, to get to this, we think about what we do in a different way. Mm. So I can sell you on, I'm an executive coach. Okay. Or I can sell you on my mission in the world is to make a greater impact and to help the world be a better place by helping you have a greater impact. So I make the world a better place indirectly by helping my clients be better leaders. And I started thinking about that a lot more as I was reading your book and like, oh, I'm having a, you know, I thought about it a little before, but not like it quite in the way I did after reading this book, that sure. the way I work and the way I have a great impact on the world is by helping others to be better leaders so their companies have a greater impact on the world, which makes it really cool for me because my ex I, I become exponential. Absolutely. You <laughs> but, know, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, but what I, what I want to I get to is um, another thing you said in the book was that awakening and delivering purpose is going to become a vital leadership skill in the coming decades. So... Mm while our viewers and listeners are waiting for your copy of their book to arrive. <laughs> um, how did they get started in learning how to awaken and deliver purpose as leaders to help their employees and team members to, to get there? Yeah, I, I think that it, something that you had mentioned was a, a shift. It's a, mo a mindset shift. And mm -hmm. I think shifting our mindset and our everyday habits to be more purposeful is the first step and we have to learn what those are and like any yeah. new habit we have to learn it apply it reflect on it learn it apply it reflect on it um, <laughs> and, and one of one of those things that that you can do really right off the bat is changing the perceptions of what you do uh, for example you know i always invite people to pick the most mundane task in your work day like the thing that you hate the most and ask a couple of questions one what would happen to another human being if you didn't do it? And two, how does the task impact another human life? And bring that human being into a vivid description. Describe who that is. Put a face 
to that person. If you ask that, you know, before every task repeatedly, research shows that your brain, you cannot separate that task with the person that you're thinking about. And research finds that when we see a face to anything that we're doing, we actually do it better. I, I cite in the book a study with this radiologist who he uh, put a picture of a patient on a scan that went out to a group uh. of a group of radiologists who worked at home. The other radiologist in the in the control group he did nothing for. The radiologist that saw the picture made made forty percent fewer diagnostic errors, wrote a page and a half longer reports. That's amazing. When, when we can just embed the person uh, into our everyday tasks, we start developing a purposeful mindset. And then we can do it for other people. And yeah. we can do what you were talking about in your example of telling the story of the human problem that whatever it is that we're working on mm -hmm. exists to solve rather than being obsessed with the solutions we offer. Right. That, that's what ultimately creates the emotional bond to what we're doing. Uh, anybody right. can do what we do or how we do it. They can't copy why we are at our core, that, sto that story, that problem we exist to have, the, solve the belief that we have. Yeah. And so that would be the first step is we have to do it ourselves, start changing the perceptions of our own work, our own lives, to think more human-centered, more purposeful. And then once we start doing that with ourselves, we can start doing it for others, show people why the work matters uh, mm -hmm. before you tell them what to do and how to do it. Well, you did say some really interesting things in the book uh, that, that I thought was particularly relevant, uh, that, that were particularly relevant to people, my, my clients in nonprofits, for example, who work with mm -hmm. battered women, uh, the, the CEOs of those organizations. You talked about staying connected to the people that you serve. And so it makes yep. sense to, you know, if you are in a shelter, walk the grounds of the shelter, talk to the people you serve. I think it not only keeps you really connected to what you do and why you're doing it, but it also helps you to have those very important stories that you can share with donors to connect them with that purpose. So, mm. and, and, and for me as the coach, as long as I'm connected with this story as, it, as well, then I can stay mindful of my purpose, helping my clients to unlock their ability to find that purpose and to really affect more people. Is that kind of where you're going? Yeah, and I, I talk, I work with fundraisers a lot. And I, you know, when I talk to executive directors, I ask them this question, it was in the book, what's the biggest problem that you face? And they all say money. 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 <laughs> First of all, money's not a problem. And right. no one wants to give you money because you need money. And right. no one wants you to build a building because you need to build a building. Yeah. What they do want to do is they want to help you make sure no animal goes homeless if you're a humane society. Right. What they do want to do is make sure that no kid ha doesn't have an advocate in the court system, which is right. the real problem you exist to solve. The same is true with our own life, though. I mean, we tend to do this. You know, I ask people to introduce themselves at the beginning of workshops. They all say the same <laughs> things. Name, certification, degree, yeah. experience. The problem is you replace the name. It could be anyone. Anyone. <laughs> and, and it's how we, we are taught to be. We're taught to just be a, a list of statistics. Right. What, one of the shifts that, that I'm talking about that you alluded to is becoming obsessed 
with the problem that we exist to solve, becoming so obsessed with our contribution yeah. that we talk about our beliefs about the way the workplace or the world could be as a result of us being here, and that we tell that story. And then, by the way, here's what I do. People are just much more, and research finds, much more emotionally committed to that story versus those things. That right. And so I think whether you're a fundraiser, salesperson, a person, which everybody is who's listening, <laughs> reframing that, that, that you, your story, your ultimate competitive advantages are not the things that you do, the solutions that you offer. It's the problem you exist to solve, the contribution you make, the beliefs you have, you know, about the world. And it turns out you still get to eat. <laughs> you get to eat and you get to eat better when you focus on those things yeah. because like like everything else in nature dies when it no longer serves a purpose yeah the same is true with businesses the same is true with our emotional well-being is that when we no longer have a contribution we emotionally don't have the energy and motivation to go out and make money to put food on the table right so right. so we have this backwards way of thinking where we think that we have to go chase the result for the result but when you pursue success, for example, as an end in itself, you almost always miss it versus when you pursue something bigger than yourself and a value, success follows. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny how we get it backwards? We, we get a lot of things. We, we, we struggle because we want to survive. We're also like, you know, as you know, our brains think we're being chased by saber-toothed tigers. So we struggle to survive. Uh, but we forget that that survival comes, and it always has for human beings, comes on the heels of contribution. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Great book. I really, really enjoyed it. Well, thank Zach, you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Great book, great book. Viewers, here is the book right here. We're going to have links down below in the show notes to Zach's websites as well as Amazon so you can get your copy of the book. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. This has been twoquestions.tv. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, learn more about the show, the guests, and our host, Susan Barancini Mo, visit us at www.twoquestions.tv.